Welcome to Storehouse Dallas. I trust that you are in a much better place right now than when you came in. Being in the presence of the Lord, either whether you're enthusiastically praying and praising Him, or whether, as Hebrews 13 says, you're giving a sacrifice of praise, which costs you something, that, um, you know, He inhabits, as the, the worship leaders were telling us, He inhabits the praises of His people. And so we praise Him, but we get side benefits by being in His presence, right? So I, uh, I, I trust that, uh, that we've all benefited, benefited a lot like that. I, I tell you, coming to Storehouse to teach about listening to God um, is to me, it's kind of like going to the shoreline to describe the people who live there about the ocean. <laughs> I mean, you guys are so well taught. You're so immersed. You've had so many supernatural Holy Spirit occurrences here. And I just, I know, even though I know John and Tracy and have kind of been, Suzanne and I have kind of walked with them for a number of years, I know probably only a fraction of the stories that they could tell. But I want to I want to begin by telling you two stories that I that I was involved with. Um, 1981. I am doubled over in a chair, very similar to the chair that you're sitting in tonight. My wife and I and my family were part of a small church in East Dallas, and I was miserable. I was in agony. Everybody else was standing up worshiping the Lord. And I was doubled over in that chair. The reason I was doubled over is because I was in my eighth year of my career as a dentist, and I was miserable. Now, I know maybe some of you are miserable when you go to the dentist, <laughs> but I was miserable as a dentist. And the reason I was miserable because deep, deep down inside of me, I knew I was not doing what God wanted me to do. But I didn't know what he wanted me to do. So I was crying out. Now, at the time, I was a good conservative evangelical that believed that God only spoke through this book, and he does. And we're going to talk about that in one of these sessions. But as I was sitting there crying out, saying, God, you have got to show me, you've got to show me what to do, I heard the audible voice of God. Wasn't in my mind. It was to the rear, to the left of me, behind me. And he said, I want you in full-time Christian service. And I jerked up and looked around. And, of course, there was nobody to be seen back there. My wife looked at me like I was nuts and said, what's going on? And I told her. I went and told the elders of the church later uh, after the service. And they didn't disbelieve me, but none of us knew what to do with it. So um, long story short, it changed the trajectory of my life. As Matthew said, uh, just a few months later, I entered Dallas Seminary and uh, have uh, been a pastor for over 30 years. And then 30, uh, five years ago, I stepped out to mentor and pastor and be a spiritual father to Christian leaders here in the, in the greater Dallas area. Um, that's one story. That was when I heard God's voice for me. I want to tell you another story that happened about four weeks ago. Anne heard this story yesterday, so she gets to hear it again. My wife had been invited to Tulsa, Oklahoma to speak at a women's retreat. And a couple of days before we left to go up and spend the night with our friends up there, 
um, they called us and they said, we are missionaries to the Methodists in Tulsa. And we belong to First Methodist Church, downtown Tulsa, the big Methodist church. And um, I don't know if you remember anything about that church. It, it went through a great time of spiritual revival in the 1970s. Oral Roberts was a member there. Uh, but then they've gone into a decline, and our friends were sent there and kept there for several years. Uh, recently, they've been put in charge of the young, uh, not the young couples class, but the 30-year-old class. And so they taught 30-year-olds. And when they started the first week, there were two people in the class. And now there's almost 40 in the class because they're teaching about the Holy Spirit. So they said, John, since you're coming up here with your wife on Sunday morning, we have told them that a prophet is coming to town. I said, oh, don't say that, please. And we want you to teach about prophecy and prophesy over these young people. So went to the class, was introduced, and began to teach from the Word and gave some of my experiences. And then at the end of the class, the Lord started giving me words for people in the class. There were about 25 people that, that morning there. And um, so I, I gave words to a couple of people, and then I said, there's somebody here in the room, uh, a man, in high school you played basketball, and in the game against your rival team, you lost, and it still affected you today. And I said, the Lord wants to reframe that memory, and you lost 86 to 84. I'm going to tell you later on how I got all those words, all right? But, uh, and I said, now I realize it's been a few years. You're in your 30s. It's been a few years ago. You may have to stop and think or whatever. So I went ahead and gave words to a couple more people. And then there was a lull. There was kind of a quiet moment. And over in the corner with a wavering voice, a man said, I missed the free throw. And I turned and looked, and this guy was weeping, and his wife was sitting next to him, patting his back, and she was weeping. And for the next several minutes, he gave us a play-by-play -play description of the last minute of that game. The score was um, 85 to 83, and he took a shot and got fouled while he was shooting, so he gets two free throws. He made the first one. And before he shot the second one, the coach called the team over to the bench and said, now when Chad makes this next free throw, they'll get it inbounds. You foul as soon as they get the ball. You foul him. He'll go to the other end. He'll get one shot, and we get the ball back, and we've got a chance to win this game. He went back out there, and Chad missed the free throw. And he said it was one of those that circled the rim a couple of times and then fell off. The other team got the ball. They foul the guy. So it's 85 to 84. They go to the other end. He makes the free throw, and the game ends 86 to 84. And he said, I still have nightmares about that game. And I said, well, the Lord wants to reframe that for you. I said, in fact, the Lord wants to show you that if you had made that free throw, your whole life would be different. And he thought a minute, and he goes, you're right. He said, if I'd have made that free throw, my team would have won state. I would have gotten a scholarship at a major university to play basketball. But because I didn't, 
I went to junior college. I met my wife here at junior college, and I'm in Tulsa, and I'm in this class because I missed that free throw. So we gathered the, the people around and uh, prayed for him. Now, what Ann doesn't know is I got a report today about him. And the word of that word has gone through that whole church. And they had two weekends after I was there, they had a service and they invited him to come up and the pastor interviewed him in front of the whole church about what had happened to him. So I've just given you two examples. One, that God gave me a word for me that changed my life. And God gave me some words for another individual that has changed his life. So how do we, how do we get into all of that? Okay? All right. Anne-Marie, there you go. I, I, I'm a little um, waffling about really calling this listening to God. Because listening implies it's one way. And God wants to dialogue with us. He wants to talk back and forth. Jesus calls us his friend. And most of my friends, they talk with me. <laughs> A good friend, part of good, good friendship is communication, back and forth. So anyway, but I'll go with that. I'll go with that. All right. The reason that we can hear God at all is because he's a speaking God. Genesis 1, 15 times God speaks, or the text says, and God said. 15 times in the first chapter. Hello? What is he trying to tell us? Jesus is called the Word. He's not called the sight or the smell. He's called the Word. It's important because he's communicating to us. He brings us the Word when he brings us himself. And all through Scripture, God's speaking to people. All through that, you know, the Old Testament, New Testament. The Lord and the Lord said, and the Lord said, and the Lord said. He sent prophets and prophetesses, Old Testament and New Testament, to bring his Word to his people. And then here's the beauty. Peter's Pentecost sermon. He stands up after the crowd has gathered and he said, look, what's happening here is a fulfillment of the prophet Joel. And he said, in the last days, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And he said, and your sons and daughters will prophesy. The only qualification to prophesy is if you're a son or a daughter. So if you're a son or a daughter of the Lord, you got it. You got it. He's a speaking God. Uh, next, next one, Anne-Marie. I love this quote by Tozer because this is where I came from, as I told you. Tozer, A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite authors, says, I believe that much of our religious unbelief is due to the wrong conception of and a wrong feeling for the scriptures of truth. A silent God suddenly began to speak in a book. And when the book was finished, lapsed back into silence again forever. Now we read the book as a record of what God said when he was for a brief time in a speaking mood. With notions like that in our heads, how can we believe? The facts are that God is not silent, has never been silent. It's the nature of God to speak. 
If you're going to have a relationship with God, it's going to be one of communication and speaking. And you ought to expect that. You ought to expect that. It's a personal relationship. And that relationship, if it's deep and it's intimate, is going to involve communication. It just is. Okay, next one. We start out following Jesus by hearing his voice. Jesus says in John 10, 16, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. If you're a Gentile, that means you. I must bring them also and they will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. They will hear my voice. They'll hear my voice. Now, I came to faith during the Jesus People Movement in college. And at the time, would I have said I heard his voice? No, but I did. Or I couldn't have come to him. I can't come to Jesus unless I hear his voice. I've always said if somebody can be argued into the kingdom, if it's nothing but a mental argument, then they could be argued out. But if they have experience with Jesus, if they hear his voice, then that's going to stick. But we are to keep hearing his voice. He says, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. That is present tense. My sheep hear my voice. Now, my sheep, if you're a sheep, he's speaking. He's speaking to you. Romans 10, 17, so faith comes by hearing and her, hearing by the word of Christ. Now, you've probably been taught already that in the New Testament, in Greek, the Greek uh, language, uh, there are two words for word. Two words for word. One of them is logos. Logos. It means the full body of the word. This is the word. It's the full body of our faith. But there's another Greek word, and it's rhema, rhema, a rhema word. And what the rhema word is, it's the word that God wants you to know right now. And it might be out of this logos, but it might be something the Spirit speaks to you. For instance, here's a scriptural example. Jesus, in Matthew 28, said, go into all the world and make disciples. He said, start out in Jerusalem, then go to Judea, then go to Samaria, then go to the ends of the earth. Okay, so we've got four steps here. Ju Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Acts 8, Philip, who's not an apostle, he was one of the seven that got chosen to serve tables, he goes to Samaria. Okay, he's in Samaria. Man, things are hopping. People are getting saved. Demons are flying out. People are getting healed. Day after day, I mean, it, it, it was revival with a capital R. He gets up one morning. He's getting ready for day 15, a revival. And the Holy Spirit says, I want you to leave, Philip. I want you to leave. I want you to go to a desert road. Um, Lord, do you know what's happening here in the city? There's more to be done. No, I want you to go to the desert road, which ends up bringing the gospel to Africa. Wait a minute, that wasn't in the plan. That wasn't in the plan. 
that was a rhema word. It was a word specifically in that situation for the moment. Philip heard it, he obeyed it, and look what happened. Jesus promises, but when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things to come. The Holy Spirit is a speaking God. And that's why we can hear him, because he's speaking. And if we belong to him, we can hear him. Many factors come into play in learning to, to listen to God. Uh, one, is, one is overcoming the fact that we just live in a natural world and we live by our five senses. I believe, I believe, and I believe I can show you from the Scripture that we have more spiritual senses than we have natural senses, but we have spiritual senses that correspond to natural senses. We can see in the Spirit. We can smell in the Spirit. We can taste in the Spirit. We can hear and we can touch. But we live in this world and we walk around. You know, I, I just... I'm going to go off on a little tangent here. Jesus was standing in front of Pilate in John 18. In John 18, 36, he says, Pilate says, so you are a king. And he says, my kingdom, most Bible translations says, my kingdom is not of this world. Okay? But again, from the Greek language, it says, my kingdom is not out of this realm. What's the difference? Jesus was saying, I'm walking around in, in this earthly kingdom, but I'm not living out of it. I'm living out of another realm. And when I saw that, it became a point of regular prayer for me. Lord, today, I want to live out of your kingdom. And in your kingdom, I can spiritually see, I can hear, I can taste, I can smell, I can touch. So that's one of the obstacles to overcome is we just, we normally live on the natural plane. But we're spiritual beings. We're created for this. We're created to interact with Him. And 1 Corinthians 2 says is that the Spirit has been given to you and to me to teach us, to reveal to us the deep things of God. Does that, does that just kind of blow you away? I mean, we're not supposed to just kind of superficially know God. So the Spirit's been given to you, it's been given to me to teach us the deep, to reveal to us the deep things of God. So if you do live on the shoreline tonight and you have kind of dabbled in the ocean a little bit, we're going a lot deeper. There's a lot deeper to go than you've ever been. Take us deeper, Lord. Take us deeper. So, we are learning to listen to God by being sensitive to and yielding to the Holy Spirit. Now, let me talk to you a little bit about preparing to listen to God. Now, wait a minute. You've got to prepare to listen to God? Yeah, you do. You do. All right? 
First of all, is if you're going to listen to God, you got to want to listen to God. When our three kids were little, Suzanne and I used to take them to the park to play. And they would go off and be playing on the, you know, the slide and the swing and maybe some other kids were out there and we would be talking, standing or sitting on a park bench talking. And after a while, I looked at the clock and, oh, it's time to go. Jason, Brendan, Lindsay, time to go. You think they responded? Nope. Jason, Brendan, Lindsay, come on, it's time to go. We got to go home to dinner. Usually, I would have to go out there and get down in front of them and say, it is time to go. Now, do you think the first five times I said that, they heard me? At least one of those, they heard me. But guess what? They didn't want to listen. Why? They wanted to do what they wanted to do. And often, we don't hear God because we want to do what we want to do. We don't want to do... I'm afraid He's going to tell me to do something different than I'm doing. You got to want to listen to Him. He wants us to listen. He wants us to listen. You know, Moses said, follow the Lord your God and fear Him and keep His commandments. Listen to His voice. Moses said that. Listen to His voice. Serve Him and cling to Him. Psalm 81, 13. God's speaking and He said, Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. You hear God just getting really emotional about that? You're not listening to me. Elisha, as one of the prophets, says, Listen to the word of the Lord, for thus says the Lord. Isaiah, pay attention to me, O my people. Give ear to me, O my nation. Again, it's all the way through in the through the prophets, and Isaiah, and Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Hosea, Zephaniah, Zechariah, over and over and over again, the Lord is saying, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. And then he says it through Jesus. In Mark 4, he tells the parable of the sower, and it starts off with, listen. A sower went out to sow. Listen. A sower went out to sow. And how often did Jesus say, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear. It's over and over and over and over and over again, all through this book, about how much God wants you and I to hear him, to hear his voice. Jesus says in Revelation 3, this was a verse used on me to bring me to the Lord, but it's a little bit out of context, but he uses it, so it's okay. Jesus says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and dine with him and he with me. He's not at the door of anybody's heart. In that context, he's at the door of the church, knocking. Is there anybody in there that will open up for me? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? So God is always trying to get our attention. 
So the first is we have to want to listen. Okay, the second, the second preparation is being willing to listen must be willing to respond when we do hear him. You see, he sometimes knows that we're not going to respond ahead of time, so he doesn't even say anything. There, there was no concept in the Hebrew mind. There was no concept that when God said, listen, that it just meant auditory waves coming from the mouth to the eardrum. They did not separate listening from responding. Listening and obeying were the same concept. So be ready to respond. The third way of preparing our hearts to listen to God is that we do not listen to other things. There's buzz all around us. I'm sure that it's that it's more than than this now, but I I knew quite a while ago I read someplace where the average American gets 2,500 stimuli a day. 2,500 stimuli a day. There are things all around us pulling us away, pulling our attraction away from the Lord. The buzz is all around us, and if we're going to listen to God, there's got to be times of silence, folks. There's got to be times of silence. In Psalm 62, 1, David said, My soul waits in silence for God alone. From Him is my salvation. Remember the story about Elijah when he was running from Jezebel and he goes to Mount Horeb and gets in a cave. And the Lord said, Come out, Elijah, I'm going to speak to you. So he comes out, and what happens first thing? Anybody remember? There's an earthquake. There's a, no, there was a violent wind. Violent wind comes. But it says, but the Lord wasn't in the wind. Then there was an earthquake. But the Lord wasn't in the earthquake. And then there was fire. And the Lord wasn't in the fire. And then, again, most English versions says um, there was a, a, a gentle wind that came, that came. But this is what it says in the Hebrew. The Hebrew says, then there was the sound of a soft silence. God came in the sound of a soft silence, and he often does that now. And if we don't give him times of silence, and I know how hard it is to be quiet. You get alone and you sit down and all of a sudden the buzz around you is gone, but the buzz inside of you kicks into high gear, right? And it takes work. And uh, we're expecting him to come in, in silence. And sometimes we've got to work at it. I'm going to give you a couple of suggestions here in a minute about that. There's another thing that kind of 
limits our hearing God, and that is the fast food mentality. We sit down. Okay, here's my time with you, God. Uh, Got to go. Busy, busy, busy. Distractions without and within. So what do we do? Ask him to free you of the distractions. 1 John 5 says, if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if you know that he hears us, we have the request that we ask of him. If there's anything asking him according to his will is, Lord, here I am. I want to hear you. Free me from distractions. There are mental distractions. If they are, either just refuse them or... Just have a pad of paper there and just jot it down and then push it away from you. And as I push it away, I'm pushing it away out of my mind. And focus on Him. Pray out loud. That helps. Pray out loud. In, in my study, a lot of times I'll just walk back and forth praying out loud. It helps me to focus on Him. Madame Guion, I don't know if anybody has heard of her. She lived back in the 1700s. She was imprisoned for her um, commentary she wrote on the Song of Songs. Thrown into prison for that because it was so scandalous. It was so intimate between her and the Lord. Anyway, her suggestion was is that anytime a, a distraction starts to come up, just start speaking his name. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He'll come. He'll help you. He wants to. So these are all kinds of things that, that um, I think help prepare us and just get us in to the mode of being ready to listen. God. Um, we're going to talk um, in the next couple of weeks about the different ways that God does speak. And uh, we're going to talk about, well, how do you know that it's God if you hear something? And we're going to talk about, well, how, if you hear something that you think is for somebody else, how do you present that to somebody else? Okay, so that's kind of what we're looking at as we, uh, as we go ahead in the next two weeks. Okay, anybody got any questions? Who has the elbow that you hurt quite a while back and it's still bothering you? You still have problems with it. Right elbow. You, okay. Um, I, I saw uh, an old blood clot in that elbow. And so I want to pray or have some people pray with you that it gets dissolved tonight. What's your name? Susan. All right. All right. Well, don't leave before somebody prays for that, okay? What? Yeah? Hit it, bruised it. Uh-huh. Yeah. I saw it. Okay, let me just say this about words and knowledge, and, and I'm going to talk about those next week. If you get a word of knowledge like this condition for her, the Lord doesn't bring that up to tease her. 
He brings it up to get it taken care of. Right? So you can attach your faith to that. All right? Good. Okay. I have something for you, dear Anne. I had a picture of you. I had a vision of you, and you were reading a paper or a letter that came in the mail, and it was some kind of a legal document. And as you read it, a great burden fell off of your back. I think that there's something that in, in your life that is kind of concerning you deeply, that um, some kind of a notification like that is going to bring great relief to you. So pray over that one. Look forward to it. Okay? <laughs> There's several people in here, they're going, oh, give me a word, give me a word, give me a word. Yeah, I don't know if you want a word or not. I've had a bunch of words given to me, and you know what it did? It painted a target on my back. Did the, the enemy go, oh, so you got that word, huh? Yeah. <laughs> is there an Amanda here or uh, somebody in your life is named Amanda? I just got that name. Amanda. I mean, I know a couple of Amandas, but I'm not sure that it's for me. It might be. Nobody knows an Amanda. Oh, you do? Is it a friend? Yeah. Okay. Um, will somebody, when we're finished here in just a couple of minutes, will somebody go over and pray with her for her friend, Amanda? Um, I saw her... I saw this, this younger woman um, kind of in the shadows and I saw the Lord's hand being extended and pulling her out of the shadows. So I don't, you know, don't know what's going on in her life or what's going on, but does that make sense? Sense? Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Okay. All right. Let's, um, let's stand. Each of these uh, sessions, I'm going to pray a prayer of impartation. Um, I think you're going to find that you're going to start dreaming more. You're going to uh, start getting visions. Uh, you're going to start getting impressions. And let me just say this. I was, I'm going to say it next week again to you. If you, get an, if you get an impression, if you ask the Lord, Lord, help me to start hearing from you, and then you get an impression, you go, oh, that's just me. You just blew it. You just ask for it. Okay? I'm not saying every impression's from the Lord. But it's going to get stirred up. It's going to get imparted. How do I know that? The Lord promises in His Word. Paul says, when I come to you, Romans, I'm going to come and impart some spiritual gift to you. So, Lord, thank you that you're a speaking God. Thank you, Jesus, that you're called the Word. Thank you that over and over again 
in these scriptures. You show us how ready you are to speak to us, how desperately you want us to listen to you. So here are your people. Here we are, Lord. Here we are. And we say like little boy Samuel, here I am, Lord. Here I am. Speak to us, Lord. Speak to us things for ourselves. Speak to us things for our family. Speak to us, Lord, things for, to, for, for others. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. Come, Lord. Come. Come. I think he's speaking to some of you right now, just as we prayed that prayer. I journal almost every day, and almost every day in my journal I put down, Lord, what do you want to say to me today? And I journal what he says to me. Expect it. Expect it. Expect him to speak to you. Your only qualifications is if you're a son or if you're a daughter. Thirteen fifteen. Is that somebody's address? Thirteen fifteen. One time, I uh, I said something like that. I was at another church, and I got some numbers like that, and it was three ten. I said three ten. Is that somebody's address? And nobody raised their hand. Well, after the service, this young lady came up. And she goes. My birthday is March the 10th. It was her. It's her. <clears throat> we love you, Lord. We love you. We love you. We'll tell you over and over and over and over and over again. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.